1: Welcome to Scrimshaw. Shop, no, Jack. So top. <laughs> Omaha.
0: No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Hi, everybody. This is Jack from Script Shop Show. This is
1: a really good impression. Please keep, keep you, nobody can tell who's talking right now between the two of us. It's like they're hearing the same voice. Yeah, Jack, what's up? Uh, hi, hi, Jack. This
0: is Allison.
1: <laughs> Actually, wait. Hi, Jack. This is Allison. I'm... happy to do the show with you today. What's going on?
0: You got to throw the giggles in there, though. Oh,
1: my God. Hi, everybody. This is a strange start to script shop show. Just before we started recording, I was saying to myself, all right, well, I got to think of something kind of clever to say,
0: blah, 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 to
1: open the show with. And she's like, no, just start recording. So I did it. And this is where we're at.
0: I do love it when you do an impression of me like, just go, go, get the stuff done, move. It's It's
1: rooted strongly in reality. Uh, Script shop show is our podcast and yes. we appreciate having you along the way.
0: <laughs> now we're, holding we're actually hands. holding hands
1: right now just for those of you <laughs> at home to really visualize what's happening. Frank's looking more uncomfortable than usual.
0: Oh, that was such a lovely moment. Jack and I were holding hands. We love script shop. This is the podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their amazing work and mm-hmm. we love talking to them about their work and figuring out why they wrote this script and why it could have only come from them yeah. and what it means to them and how it happened and All of those juicy, juicy (laughs) questions that we just can't get out of our minds.
1: Yeah. Um, If you have something that you'd like to send to us, we've got to get this out of the way. We mention it every time, but I don't get tired of telling you about it. ScriptShopShow.com slash submit. That is how our guest today, Zeus. Zeus. Just Zeus. Zeus came to us, uh, submitted to us through ScriptShopShow.com slash submit. And we have his script today called Syrah.
0: Yes, we do. It's a uh, 27-page dystopian science fiction short. We're very excited about having this genre on the show because we get a. I guess we get a lot of drama.
1: Yeah. Like just kind of straight. Well, we get a lot of comedy, too. Yeah. A lot of, like, you know, guys and reminiscing about high school and stuff. But yeah. I do like when we get...
0: Something a little out of the norm.
1: Stuff like this. And this is a cool, like, alien future yes. dystopian thing mm-hmm. uh, that I am very much looking forward to talking to Zeus about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... um Let's see, Jack, what are you reading lately?
1: Uh, I thought of this earlier. Um, One of the other shows that we recorded made me think of this book that I haven't read in a long time. It's maybe the funniest book that I've ever read in my life. Uh, It's called State by State with the State. And I was just reminiscing about this. There was a show on MTV back in the 90s called The State. It was this weird, absurd out there sketch comedy show when MTV in the nineties was really sort of starting to try different things. They found this group of like NYU students who were in this comedy troupe called the state and they gave them a TV show. And there's so many people from that show that are super famous now or are heavily involved in making things. Thomas Lennon, Ken Marino, uh, Carrie Kenny, uh, one of the guys from it is on Brooklyn Nine-Nine now. There, there's a ton of people that I'm so thrilled to have been able to watch their careers since they were like college students. It's been great for me. That's and cute. they wrote a hilarious travel book called State by State with the State where they just make up stuff about every state in the <laughs> union. And it's a riot. And anyway. What
0: did they say about Ohio? I
1: don't remember, but mm. I need, to, I need yes. to find out. That sounds good. They've got a wild story about like the governor of Connecticut and how they went to visit him and they just make up this <laughs> insane stuff. And it is a riot. Do
0: you think they get in trouble for that kind of thing? Nah.
1: Cause it's it's just funny. It's clearly it's a joke. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, it's always so funny to me when people are like, "It's clearly a joke," and I'm like, "Oh, I don't know how Is it clearly
1: this? In, in this case, it absolutely is, and especially if you if you come to it knowing the show. Like if you're buying yeah. a book from these people that have done this show, you know what you're getting. You know yourself what you're getting
0: into. into. Otherwise, you're just like picking up a book at Barnes and Noble, thinking you're getting a travel guide to the U.S. and you don't understand. I
1: love the idea of somebody falling you for see, that though. That's
0: what I'm talking about. How clear is it? It's clear. It's, it's it's
1: transparently clear All right. what are you what, what are you reading? Um, what have you read?
0: I so I have um, a handful of favorite plays like just stage plays because mm-hmm. of course I have a background in acting and do live theater as well as film television etc mm-hmm. pitch for Allison um, in case
1: you're out there wondering <laughs> you should check us out and uh, there's contact info I'm sure
0: yeah um, but I was rereading one of my favorite plays called Night Mark Norman. And it's like this salt-of-the-earth-grounded suicide story. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I hate to be such a downer with it, but it's such a beautiful, weirdly hopeful story about somebody who decides to take their life into their own hands. Yikes. Yeah, I know. I know. But you should read it, so I'll let you borrow it.
1: You and I did that. That's a bit of a 180 between my wacky (laughs) travelogue book and then your Uh. serious... That, that's a, that's Just a,
0: get real up on the mic and talk about it all.
1: We try to cover all the bases here on Scoop Shop <laughs> and God knows we have so oh, far. Oh
0: man. Yeah. Um uh anything else
1: uh we should talk about your big project yes, that we're working on yes yes on.
0: yes okay so if you're a listener of the show you know that um in august 2018 cincinnati is hosting the syndependent film festival which i say is hosting but this project lives here now so this is the home
1: i think the better way of saying it is that you're putting on the Cindependent <coughs> yeah. film festival here in cincinnati that
0: is a much better way of saying that and um
1: are you caught up? Yeah, you caught I got something my right mic.
0: Now? Hold on. Just talk about the film festival. we got to something.
1: do a little bit of business here. Allison's got the, her headphone cord stuck under the wheels of her chair, which is a fairly common thing with how long these headphone cords are. <laughs> and that's are. what
0: I get for just, like, getting really excited about stuff and rolling around in my roller chair in here.
1: Well, you should be excited because this independent film festival is going to be a huge thing. We're taking submissions now. Yes.
0: It is an independent... It's a three-day independent film festival for independent films and screenplays of all links in any genre. Um... You can submit online at Film Freeway to the CIN Film Festival. We're in the heartbeat of Cincinnati with lots of really, really cool uh, filmmaker events. We're expecting a huge audience turnout. And there are prizes, like cash prizes for the top awards. So if you're interested in maybe getting a little scratch for your work, then... And get your work out there. Yeah. Share it with a new community. Cincinnati is not a small city. No. It's a really interesting, very exciting, beautiful city. And uh, we'd love for you to come hang out with us, me, Allison, Jack over here to my right, and Frank over here to my left in Cincinnati for Mm -hmm. a couple of days.
1: As you move left to right across your radio dial. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're also uh, taking your donations. We have uh, opened ourselves up a Patreon account for Script Shop Show. And uh, if it's an opportunity for you, and it's an opportunity for us, but if you want to Uh, Just
0: support us financially some.
1: That's exactly right. Show a little appreciation if you want to fund the show because then we can use that to do more things. And we have a million ideas with what we want to do do with this show.
0: Yeah, we have a a ton of really beautiful, beautiful things we'd like to put into place. So if you'd like to help us see those things through, then go on to Patreon.com or is it .org? It's .com. It's .com. Patreon.com and look up Script Shop Show to pledge some of your financial support straight to us. Indeed. Um, so that being said, um, let us welcome the almighty Zeus to the show.
1: I know. I, I, you know, we should have worked out some kind of ritual chant thing. If
0: I wasn't such a jerk and made you start the show before we were (laughs) ready, we could have had a really good intro for him.
1: Zeus, do you feel like everybody wants to be clever with you about your name right out of the gate?
2: Actually, I can give you guys a really cool intro if you want. It won't be anything nuts, but you know, I can do something like a bum, bum, bum kind of
0: thing. (laughs)
2: Do it you know i don't even have a cool intro so not it's all yet. good
0: well not yet we're, yeah we're that's working. right
1: do you like i feel like you've got some weird amount of pressure to walk around with some kind of sound effect machine just to make like a lightning thunder noise <laughs> all the time
2: I, feel like I need sometimes i'm like i wonder if i should have theme music or something like that but then i'm thinking no that would be just pretentious and that just would make me look stupid well so. i
0: mean you are calling yourself zeus does <laughs> so does it even matter at this point that,
2: that's well. I wasn't the one who coined the uh, to, who coined the nickname, so ah. uh, I can't. Uh, I don't. I can't take credit for it. I just use it. So um, yeah, it just sounds way cooler.
0: What's the story behind this?
2: Um, well, it's first of all, it's, I'm half Greek, uh, so that's okay. the beginning of it. And then um, it started when I was in high school. I was I was going to high school in in uh, London. It was a boarding school. And I was one of the new kids. And um, when I was, when we were on the, I guess on the floor getting ready, you know, for bed, I was talking with one of the kids and he asked me where I was from. I said, I'm from Greece. And he he goes, oh, so, you know, Zeus. I'm like, yeah, you know, king of the gods, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And we all go our separate ways. The next day we wake up and he starts calling me Zeus. And then just slowly, slowly, the, the name just starts to go everywhere. Uh, and then eventually, uh, like as soon as the headmaster starts calling you Zeus, wow. then you know, then you know that's when you've like made it to the top of the to the top of the mountain. So and then, when I went to <laughs> so college, to speak. I'm sorry, how dare you
0: to the top of the mountain, so to speak. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> and then when I went to college, uh, my my roommate from high school was was my roommate in college first semester. And he introduced me as Zeus so uh, and nobody ever knew who my what my real name was and so we just carried it through uh, and that's how I got the nickname that's I nice. feel, started in high school
1: I feel like there's a real fine line though between somebody like calling it and but like the fact that you've embraced it I'm glad about because I feel like it could be the kind of thing where somebody's taking shots at you oh look at check out Zeus over here
2: <laughs> well I mean they can it's uh, totally fine but I, I'll just I'm I'll just come back and say well my name is Zeus. What's your name? Like, Bob? Okay, that's cool. It's a good name. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that, but Zeus, Zeus. You can't beat that.
0: You're in New York City currently. How did you get yourself to New York City? Where are you coming from? Practice, practice, practice.
2: (laughs) There you go. Uh, I came to New York City via Greece, via Texas, and then I came to New York. So I uh, I grew up in Greece. I went to college in Texas, I stuck around in Texas, I went to college in Texas, and then I moved to New York in 2009, if I remember correctly, something like that.
0: When did you move from Greece to the United States? How old Uh, were you?
2: 2001. I was 18 years old.
0: Okay. And then, so what college did you go to in Texas?
2: Southern Methodist University. SMU!
0: Yes, that's over by Dallas, which is an hour away from where I grew up. I'm a Texan myself. Yeah, thank you.
2: So you know SMU, yeah. It's uh, a... Wasn't my top choice, but I was like, all right, it's cool. I didn't really get in anywhere else. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll just go to SMU and we'll see what happens. So,
0: what did you study while you were there?
2: Uh, film, uh, film and film production. Um, and no, that was it. Film production, nothing else. So.
0: Um, and so then when you were done with SMU, you just moved straight to New York?
2: No, I decided to stay in Texas for a, little, for a couple more years. Uh, right out of college, I started my first business because I wanted to you know, get right into it. And I, I didn't really want to move yet because I figured, let me try my own business first and see what happens. Um, and I was doing a lot of like little music videos. I did a, a rockumentary with a friend of mine. Uh, and, you know, so I did... Uh, That went well uh, on the local scene. That was going fine on the local scene, but then stuff kind of just hit the fan um, about maybe two years later, um, and I got left with nothing. I was completely broke, had nothing left, so I decided, well, I've got L.A. or New York, so pick one and go from there, and I decided to come to New York because it it had – I felt it would have more of a vibe that suited me, as opposed to Los Angeles. I got nothing against L.A. Nice place, but I'm sorry, I can't drive everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. New
2: York just had a bit more of my pace. Um, just felt a bit more tight knit, and I thought I would do better here.
0: How have you done since, like yeah. community-wise and lifestyle-wise, since you've moved to New York? Um,
2: I'd say pretty good, actually. Um, I when I first moved here, I decided to, um, study producing because the film degree I took, they never, they never trained us. Um, they gave us all the creative, but they never taught us the business side of things. So of course you go out into the world with all this great creative knowledge, but they never told you how to, you know, how to create a budget, how to create a schedule, how to, you know, how to, how to, uh, raise money and things like that. Um, so I kind of, decided that I had to do that in order to better myself. So I studied producing and I just kind of fell into it very naturally. It felt like a very good fit for me. Um, and from there I worked at Synetic Media, um, uh, for about a couple of months, three months, uh, Synetic Media was under, is under John Sloss. And I worked the, actually the very first picture I did was exit through the gift shop and it was Banksy's nice. documentary. No right. kidding. And, what
1: did you do with that?
2: Yeah. Uh, I helped them with like the sales and marketing and and you know things like that. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and and it, it was awesome because Banksy's my favorite artist. So when they gave me that gig, I was like, yes, this is awesome. This is perfect for me. So I embraced it wholeheartedly and I had a really good time. Uh, and I had no idea at the time that he had done a documentary either. Um, so I did that, and then after I left from there, I went. I spent two years with uh, with the very famous Scott
1: Rudin. I've heard that name. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, give it's us a rundown. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: the, well, the, the movies that I worked on with him, well, the movies that you would know are uh, uh, The Social Network, True right. Grit, um, oh God, The Village, yeah. uh, There Will Be Blood. You know, those are the th- that's those are the kinds of films he did. Or he does rather. Sorry. Right. Um, so when I was there for a couple of years, that's I was working on, you know, the social network. I did True Grit. Um, what else did I do? I worked on the Book of Mormon, the theater show. He's a big he's big in theater here. That was a lot of fun. Um, I did the last picture I did with the last two pictures I did with him were Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I forget the other one. I'm sorry. Uh, there was one other. Oh, The Dictator. So I, I was with him during that period for those couple of years. And that's really where I learned filmmaking. That was, that was my school. Um, and it was brutal. Like, it was very brutal. But it was good school. And from there, after that, I took a break. I worked for an independent producer called Terry Leonard. Um, and I did two movies with him, two indie films. One's called How to, uh, How to Be a Man. And the other one's cold come the night. And we worked with Brian Cranston Alice Eve on that picture. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, And then right after that, I was like, okay, cool. I I guess I got all the training I need. How about I just go out and try this for myself? Um, And so here we are.
0: (laughs) So you just wrote, so once you kind of, okay. so here's what it sounds like move to New York start working get your hustle on work with a lot of famous people etc get a lot of great experience and then you're like you know what I actually want to kind of try this myself. So did, did you just write a script then you just sat down and were like where do I start I started the script.
2: Well actually what I first I did first was I looked for scripts. Um, I, I didn't sit down to I stopped writing when I was in college. I'm not really sure Why. But I just for whatever reason I stopped and then I just focused on the things so in the beginning I was just looking for scripts Mm -hmm. it wasn't until about maybe a couple of years ago that I thought you know what because I was it was having such a hard time getting stuff made I was like you know what screw this I'm just going to write my own stuff and make my own stuff because otherwise I'm not going to get anywhere so that's kind of what I started doing so for the first for the last two years Other than, you know, know, working and trying to, you know, and surviving, I'm just writing and writing and writing and, you know, trying to get and reading a a ton of scripts um, and just trying to get better and better and
1: better. How do you think your experience of with all this on the job training in with Scott Rudin and as a producer, how did that influence then when you did pivot to start writing more?
2: Um, I think... The best thing that I got out or one of the best things that I got out of that was uh, just the the discipline mm-hmm. of just sitting down and doing it and sitting down and saying, OK, I've got all these ideas. Why don't you just sit down and do it um, and don't get up from your chair until you've written something, whether it's good or bad. It doesn't matter. Just sit down and do it. Um, so. The problem, the problem with with writing and you're as a, as a producer, but you're also thinking about well, hold on a second, this might cost too much, so maybe I shouldn't do that because it's going to be too expensive for me. So you, I fall into that trap a lot.
1: Yeah, um, that's what I so, was. That's what I was wondering about. If that, if you're constantly worried about one, of, how game. much one of your ideas is going to cost.
2: I'm always thinking about that, uh, which is it's it's unhelpful. Yeah, um, but then. There's I have, I think, within the last maybe six or eight months, I've started to let go of that and say, you know what, just write the story, write the story and we'll figure it out from there. Forget about what it's going to cost. Just write the best story you can with the best characters and we'll figure out what we can do from there.
1: Which I would think that that mindset of, you know what, we'll figure this out, we'll make it work. That's also a pretty good producer sort of thought process
2: that you know what somebody else told me that the other day and he's like keep doing that I'm like okay I will keep doing that and that's kind of <laughs> how how I work now in some ways it's when either when somebody gives me a script or when I write something now I say to myself you know what I'll figure it out whatever you know if, if yeah. we have if I have to make some changes at the time fine we'll do it but you know what just write the best story you can be confident with it and go from there
0: well um with this one too Syrah We have here the beginnings of something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you gave us just under a 30-page script uh, Mm -hmm. to read. And it, I mean, you... It's a taste.
1: We get a taste of this world. (laughs) It is,
0: yeah. You know, you say you just get that story out there. But, like, is this part of a much bigger story that you have going on?
2: It absolutely is, yeah. It was always intended to be a feature Uh, It is intended to be a feature length film, but because I don't have enough um, of my own like material as far as directing goes, because I do plan on directing this myself as well. uh, OK. So because I don't have enough of that, I said, let's make a short. Let's see how the short does. Let's make it as good as we can. And hopefully somebody will bite. But it was always intended to be created in such a way where I give you a flavor. I give you a taste. I leave it a little bit open. And you'll want more or hopefully you'll want more.
1: And this has always existed for you in like screenplay form because it very much feels like it could be just a traditionally written like YA novel series.
2: It was never – no, it was never a YA. I never thought of it that way. I never okay. thought of it as a book or a graphic novel or a comic book or anything like that. I, I could absolutely adapt it into that. Yeah. Uh,
1: um,
2: but it was it, – when I birthed it or when it, when, it, it, when, I was, when it was percolating in my brain, it was always a movie.
1: Okay.
0: Should we jump into the script?
1: I think we should. How would yeah. you... I mean, is there like a log line or something, uh, the Zeus, that you could sort of describe uh, this with?
2: I, oh boy, I've been struggling with this log line ever since the beginning. I don't know how <laughs> to describe it. Uh... <laughs> uh Wow, you guys have got me stumped. I wasn't prepared for that one. Well, how I, about yeah. we,
0: uh, how about we just jump into reading straight from the script? Well, that's, that's true. That'll do a great job of serving what it is because today's reading is just going to be the opening pages from the script. No dialogue, complete um, environment and atmosphere and action setting.
1: Yeah, I hope you all are in the mood for me to read to you for a minute. Yeah, here.
0: Jack is just going to read for us today, listeners. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome because he has a beautiful voice, well, and we can't wait to listen to him some more.
1: What a kind thing to say. <laughs> All right, well, here we go. So this is the start of uh, Syra. This is Zeus's, uh, this is our introduction into uh, into this world that uh, Zeus has created. Crackling, crunching ice echoes over black. Exterior, forest, morning. A weed-choked forest splattered with snow. A teenager's bare feet run across the forest floor. Ice cracks under each step. She pants and gasps. Her head whips around, her face still cloaked. Gasps turn into wheezing. Interior, room, morning. Asphyxiated in darkness, wheezing, creeping in, a Brompton ventilator. Hisses and moans, sounds like a dying dragon. Underneath, the wheezing from Margot in her forties. She's bald, asleep in bed. In the corner, a man's hands, strong, a thin layer of dirt and blood caked on them. His upper body, a dark silhouette, a curtain rustling in the uncertain, sourceless wind. Exterior, Boreal Forest floor, morning. Rustling robe slips on her skin as if made of liquid silk, bare feet still running, though now she's slowing. A howl of dogs, utterance like beasts of hell, but angrier, ravenous. Think Cerberus with acid-injected rabies. The howls of hell thrust her into a sprint once more. She stumbles, pine thorns lash at her, rip at her robe, her skin. She's not slowing, for the bead of blue blood trailing across her neck. As she scurries along the sides of the fallen trees, hiding where she can, jumps to a exterior, clearing late morning. Howling, closing in, an abandoned ruined farmhouse rises to meet our runner. She dashes toward the structure. Boarded up windows and doors tell us she's alone. Odd burn marks scar the house as if hit by a ray gun. Other chunks missing as if vaporized by the Terminator's time portal. She shoves the door open with her shoulder. It flies off as if made of paper. Interior, room, morning. A little less darkness than before. Ventilator, still hissing. The silhouette, he opens a closet, pulls out a pillow. He squeezes tight knuckles, turning white, and sniffles. He turns to lady life support. Teary-eyed, he enters the light. Hugo, in his 50s but looks in his 60s, Salt-and-pepper beard, deep-sunken eyes tell that he's consumed by the past and scarred by all of it. He lifts her head and slides the pillow under her for extra support. The movement wakes her. Hugo strokes her face, kisses her forehead, and she turns and falls back asleep. Exterior and interior, abandoned-slash-ruined farmhouse day. The harsh day's light does little to lift the cold. Shivering, peeking out from the cracked window, our runner sees inky shapes moving off. She leans back. Her trick worked for the time being. Interior, burnt farmhouse day. Once a teenager's bedroom, faded pink furniture and decoupage all about. She snaps up some jeans, Converse shoes and a zip-up hoodie, covers her face. Fully clothed, she's in the exterior forest midday. She is in full run, ravenous howls echo so close we can feel them. And then thud. She runs into a Exterior, wall, midday. The wall, high as the sky, wide as the great wall. Beast sounds are closing in. She moves down the wall's face, plain, flat, as if designed by I.M. Pei. A sign. She wipes off the caked-on dust to reveal the words Tuatha Day" and an image of three large, thick, jagged, black claw marks carved into the wall. A low growl whirls her around. She's in a world of trouble. Dark, inky human creatures, inhuman creatures, surround her. Voracious teeth snap. Exterior, isolated farmhouse late afternoon. Somewhere between Victorian and retro-modern, a three-story house seems to welcome any who come upon it. The dense forest encroaches on the treeless property, ready to swallow it whole. Anna, who's five, playing in the garden with a doll and a ball, humming a song. A swift, a swing set few feet from her. Hugo plows a vegetable garden, sweating. A bright blue light flashes in the sky, crackling, echoing kaboom. Anna and Hugo look to the sky, probably just thunder. Stillness. And then two more flashes and kabooms. Hugo throws down the plow, stares into the forest, dead silence. He waits, just in case. Nothing. Back to work. He notices a bucket of unpeeled potatoes on the porch and scene.
0: There we go. That's uh,
1: that's, that's how things begin. That's a beautiful reading, man. <laughs> Thanks. <was> wonderful. Thank <laughs> you very well. Listen, you gave me some very cool words to work with. Awesome.
0: So we have pages one to 27 of the story. And basically what happens here is um, we have this intro of feet running into a farmhouse and it gets established that there's a family living in the farmhouse Hugo and Margot. Margot, um, I'm going to just say presumably has lung cancer. You um, are correct. <clears throat> okay. Um, they have two daughters, Anna and Celine. Um, Celine's a teenager. Anna's a bit younger. And it gets established quickly that this is not a typical, I don't know. They're not
1: living an average life. Yeah. It, looks, it looks very simple, but there's a lot going on.
0: Right. Um, for example, there is this like red flash that comes from the sky and scans, basically, their neck.
1: Well, yeah, this big monolith rises up out of the ground, and they have to have their necks scanned by this red light. And uh, our runner, this 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 girl who's been running through the forest, is some sort of superpowered kind of bluish, uh, Syra. That's that's our lead. That's our titular character, Syra. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, Saira ends up running into the farmhouse. I'm I'm guessing to like seek cover to hide a bit. Oh no, she finds Anna, doesn't she? Anna yeah. and she become friends in the forest.
1: R- right, right, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, do you want to take it from here? Yeah, Zeus. Zeus? How does
1: this keep evolving? Uh, let's see. here. Okay, so I
2: mean, she so she finds, or rather, Anna finds her um and it's established at least from anna's point of view that you know this is a this is a creature that uh, you know you you don't need to be afraid of but of course the rest of the family um are petrified is, is are terrified of her because who is she could she could be part of this other alien race um and then so she takes cover syra you know takes cover the family goes inside they lock her outside she takes cover in their basement and they have an encounter in in the basement where you feel without giving too much away, you you think um, like she's gonna, she's gonna go after them. And you think, you know, this is the end of of this poor family. But in fact, you know, the tensions slowly dissipate. Um, And then the next day uh, they, or Hugo encounters her, or I guess not confronts her, but tries to talk to her. We're uh, trying to get to know her, and she, uh, while they're there, the monolith comes back. She get, he gets scanned, or they all get scanned, and she realizes what's going on, and she saves him. But the way that she saves him, it it looks violent. Like, very, it's a very violent uh, thing, and she looks like she's killing him. Right. Um, right. But once you end up disco- you end up discovering something completely different, which is, you know, that she she does not. She's there. You know, she she saves his life, and she removes the scanning claws or the scanning crystals that are in there and that are in his neck. Um, and so then you're in the, they're in the kitchen. They're trying to figure out what to do with her. Yeah. Um, uh, because you know, clearly the other alien race, by the way, the other alien race is called the Var, Um, and so they're obviously when you have someone like this in your house, you don't want the other, the bad guys knowing who that she's there. Cause you can get into serious trouble. Um, so they're trying to find out what to do with her, uh, and if, if I remember correctly, because I'll be honest, it's been a little bit, a little bit of a while since I've gone back to read to read this this version of the script. Um, she kind of gives them an idea; you get an idea of where she comes from and what her purpose is. I won't give it away because you got to read the script. Um, <laughs> and but you do also find out that they had a son, and that son was killed. Um or was I'm sorry, yes, that son was killed. I don't I don't believe I mentioned how that son gets killed because I wanted to keep that a bit of a mystery.
1: Yeah, no, it's just there in fact I didn't even know it was a son. I just knew there was sort of somebody else that was involved in this military resistance that Hugo was involved in right. before things got to where they're I at. I think his
0: name is listed on the uniform or on the right. photo or something.
2: Right, right, exactly. So he so uh there his son got killed uh, during this resistance against alien race. Um,
0: and the aliens are these inky, dark inhumans that get mentioned in the script. Right.
2: Right. They're like these had such a difficult time trying to figure out how to create a kind of a new alien. I mean, it's very difficult. It's to, tough to now. Yeah. Um, and what I finally came up with was, well, let me, actually, let me finish, let me finish the story really yeah. quick. Um, so, uh, so, so, the The full trust of of Syra comes in when she saves the mother. Uh, I w- again I won't, we won't go into how, but she saves the mother as well, um, and brings her back to full health. And that's when you discover that it's actually the mom that's the, the biggest badass in the family. Um, and so they plan their escape.
1: Yeah, and that's the that's, that's the jumping pick, off point. I, yeah. Right. So they right exactly,
2: and so then they they run into the forest. They get they they're followed um, and you get this very tense moment at the end where you think it's going to happen you think it's going to happen are they going to get busted are they going to get caught no they don't they the wall kind of or that section of the wall morphs into like a time portal. Uh, And they end up in a boreal forest. So you can one could question, well, is it the boreal forest that Syra was in earlier? Is it somewhere else? Right. It's it's left on question. And then the intent at the end uh, is when she points at the picture, uh, it's the three girl, It's the two girls, the mother and Syrah. And she, Syra, points at a picture of the sun, and it shows the date, twenty seventeen, if I remember correctly, and that is intended to say this is the year that we're in, and this is our mission. So they're going to go find Hugo. So what's basically happened is, actually, no, I'm not going to tell you what happened because (gasps) you got (gasps) to you got to (laughs) wait. Cliffhanger. That's the whole thing. This is
1: yeah. Come on, have a free
2: sample. Yeah, yeah. Keep talking. It's about the
0: story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: They let's see, without giving too much away, uh, they've gone back to the very beginning of the resistance and they have to go find Hugo because Hugo ends up being one of the keys to saving the human race.
0: I love this. Cool. Time travel and uh, strong female characters in a sci-fi world. So what was it like for you um, creating this whole world? Do Do you have a penchant for just walking around with, whole other universes percolating in your mind what was this like
2: oh yeah actually if I could be totally honest and I'm going to surprise all of you and your and your listeners I have to give credit to the most unusual person for helping me actually get this thing on on paper and I got to give the credit to to Donald Trump and I'll tell you why okay Um, because I was this was an idea that I was thinking about and thinking about and thinking about but it just wasn't clicking And I wasn't prepared to put anything down on paper because it just wasn't ready. And then the election of Donald Trump happened. And it really, I think like a lot of us put us in a very dark place. We're like, oh, crap, what's going to happen now? Um, And so because of that, going to that dark place helped me create the VAR. And then from there, that kind of just slowly, slowly started to come together and then the, the script came out, I think maybe one month later, boom, I had the first draft done, and it was all because of the election of Donald Trump. So if he ever listens to this, thank you, uh, but I still am not going to vote for you. So mm-hmm. um, so
0: just by kind of like letting your ideas um, percolate – I know I keep saying that word, but okay. percolate – it, <laughs> it kind of helped you develop the – the ground and the foundation and then the rules for how this world operates? Cause I'm always fascinated in sci-fi where that's a completely different world. Yeah. The rules that govern existence at that time.
2: When, when I write, um, when specifically when I'm writing science fiction, um, I always find science fiction to be the genre Yes, there are rules like any other, like any other world. But I think with science fiction, for me personally, you can go, your imagination can go really wild. Um, you can go to some really crazy places. And I think audiences will accept it because it's science fiction, because mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, um, something completely different. And so the way that I operate with with science fiction is... I really take my time and I really think about um, the, the good guys, the bad guys, but I really think about the world that they're living in um, and what that world means to them and how they can operate in that world. Um, and of course, I have to ground it in a little bit of reality as well, because you want it to have some form of some form of, of, of realism for the audience. But I really take my time with science fiction. I, I really try not to push it out too fast because a lot of I've written some bad science fiction and I look back at it and I was like, oh no, that's not good.
1: So one of the other things that's a pretty normal staple of science fiction and even sort of fantasy writing is is an idea of subtext. And you talked about you know the, the country political climate being sort of an influencer for you in finally getting this thing down on paper. Do you have sub even in this little blurb that we've got this little tease of a, a, an entrance into the story? Do you have like some subtext sewn into it? Warnings about. Submission for convenience, or fighting the power. Or, I mean, Battlestar Galactica was loaded with that stuff. Right,
2: right, right. You know, I really, I, I don't, I don't think about the subtext that much because I'm, I just let, um, I just write the world, okay. and I just write the characters, and I just write their dialogue, and if the subtext slips in there without me knowing. Then that's I think that's good because then um, some hopefully somebody else will catch it and they're like oh you know you wrote you know X, y, Z. I was like oh I didn't even I didn't even think about that I didn't notice that okay great leave that in there yeah because um, if I didn't notice it uh, and it came out good then hopefully the audience won't notice it or they'll they'll get a hint of it and that's all they need they don't need anything more than that so um, I just like. I just like to write the stories and I and I let the rest of it kind of figure itself out.
0: So in the time period that you were writing this, what was your life like?
2: Um, It was actually pretty good. I I mean, I was (laughs) I I was writing other stuff, um, other material. Uh, As a matter of fact, I was writing a graphic novel, which I'm still working on, um, based in, you know, science fiction again. And but uh, there was always something I always wanted to write a, a kind of a new version of E.T.
1: Um, one that's not love... one that's not crappy. I've never liked E.T. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a hot take guy here. I've never liked E.T. I
0: feel like this is going to become a huge contention. Point I'm so sorry. I know everybody loves everybody E.T. Else. And I'm,
1: I'm not trying to be that guy. I've never liked e- E.T. creeps me out. I don't think I don't, I've i hey. never liked E.T. Please. Zeus, don't let right. I'm, this is about you, though, please.
2: That's all right. Hey, man, every, we, eh
1: everyone's got different
2: tastes, right? So it's all That's good. Right. It's Thank cool. You. Uh, <laughs> um, th- there was that I had also just watched midnight special and I really liked that film. Um, cause it was, it was different. And so when I write and when I think about stories, I'm always thinking about how can I make this a little bit different? What's, what's not out there mm-hmm. that can, it'll be difficult to, to, to cut through all the noise. But what's that one little thing or a couple of little things that might make it different? Um, and so for um for Syra, it was about well, what if I have this be? What if I had an alien race that came to Earth, took us over yeah. by surprise? We didn't know it, it, we, this is what happened. They put us all in isolation, and then you have one alien being come down and say, you know, I'm gonna help you. And why am I gonna help you? I am not gonna tell you why, because you have to read the feature script. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: He's killing me with and, that. I know.
2: <laughs> um, and and so she, she she doesn't really become the heroine. It's more about the. It ends up being more about the family than it does the alien. Um, she's just more of a driver of hope. Mm -hmm. For them and for the human race, I guess. So because she has flaws, too. She's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Um, You know, she she has some problems that she has to overcome and that will also be revealed later on. Um, So altogether, they kind of just bond and off they go to try and to try and save the
0: world. Is there a reason why this family is composed of um, mostly women? I mean, we have Hugo and we have the m- missing son, but mm-hmm. especially in the larger version, is there any particular reason other than like personalities or character types of why it's it's you know there's the female Syrah, there are the two female daughters, there's Margot.
2: The, the honest answer is, um, I from the very beginning. I wanted it to be stronger female characters and I wanted it that way. And I, and I, I felt that way because, um, I've always felt that for something like this, female characters would be much stronger. Um, and, and I think women, um, honestly, I do believe women are much stronger than men when it comes to something like this. I think they would, they would be, um, they would be much stronger uh, in, in surviving something like this. And so that's why I was like, you know what, how about I do this? What, what would it be like if I did it from a woman's perspective? Um, give them more power, give them more of something to do. Um, and as a matter of fact, I told you guys, I think when I emailed you guys, I, I, to be honest with all your, with all your listeners, um, I am doing a bit of a rewrite on this and the female characters are much more prominent now. Um, more than so, what we've already
1: written, more than what we've already got here.
2: Oh yeah. That's great. Definitely, definitely much more prominent. And because of that, uh, because of that, um, I'm actually also going to hire, uh, you know, the key, my key crew is going to be all female as well. I just think women, ca- these women characters and women in this world are, would be much better off and much more powerful. That's just the, the
1: honest truth. So this is also a very like especially in the beginning in that section that I was uh, that I was reading it's a very visual script, uh, it, it, opening that and setting it up and I, I love the way it just I love how there's no. Uh, there's no like story you're not giving any kind of backstory with a narrator or anything like that it just starts and the audience sort of has to hop on for a ride and figure out what's happening as this person is running through the forest and there's these wild sounds and everything and I, I love is your writing usually this visual?
2: Oh yeah I'm <laughs> I'm very descriptive with my writing um, as, a, as a matter of fact I have to cut back on the descriptions, mm-hmm. um, because I go, I get a little too detailed sometimes. Um, but that's how I like it. You know, that's how I, that's how I write. That's how I know what, you know, what's going on. So, uh, and I, I, I guess like many writers, I still struggle with dialogue. Um, you know, so, but I, I prefer strong visuals. Absolutely.
1: And, but then as a producer also, then you're, you're thinking about things in more of a holistic context. The sound also plays a really big part in the way that opens with, between the feet crunching on the ice and the panting and the wheezing and that the sound of these dogs. There's a lot of audio work going on in those first few pages also.
2: Oh yeah. M- let me tell you, guys, let me tell you guys right now, I am so scared about making, th- making this film and I'm so scared about what it's going to cost and how it's going to turn out. I'm absolutely petrified. Um... With exactly what you said, There's such detailed sound that goes into it, such the, the detailed visuals that go into it, mm-hmm. um, you know, everything is so specific. Just in those first four pages that you that you read, um, you know, so even that, I'm sitting back and I'm
0: thinking, oh man, that's gonna suck.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but
0: um, I'll figure it out. And what there you, you know, honestly, too, what is so beautiful about it is that. In the first few pages, and then for us in the larger 27 pages that we got to see, the writing is so clear that you really, you you know, I can see it. It's, um, you know, you're saying you're terrified of making it because you know what it's going to cost. And kudos to you. Because it probably will cost a a pretty penny just considering, again, how detailed and how beautiful the world paints itself. All of it just paints itself. It's almost like you can feel the dewiness of the forest and everything Mm -hmm. as they're getting into it. Um, uh, With the sizzle, so basically, are you thinking that you would make these first 27 pages and then take it to like film markets or, or larger film festivals to, to showcase it and try to get funding from that point or would you just take it privately and directly to people that you think would be interested in expanding it into a feature
2: I would do both um, so yeah. I would take it definitely to people that I know privately but I would also like to see how it does um, on the uh, on the festival run. Um, and in markets and things like that, I do honestly, even though I'm I'm terrified about shooting it um, and the cost of it, I am I am very confident that it'll do well. Like at least I have that going for me. I think so. Um, I am very very excited to shoot it, and I'm very confident that it'll do well. Um, I also uh, I submitted this screenplay to uh, to a bunch of film festivals. I think it was because I was so scared that it was such bad writing. Um, and I needed to see if I was going in the right direction. So I submitted to a whole bunch of film festivals that accepted screenplays and I got very lucky. Um, I think I got accepted to at least 20 film festivals, just the screenplay. Um, and so that kind of gave me more confidence. I was like, okay, maybe something's working here. Mm -hmm. So the intent was always, so the intent is definitely shoot it, uh, and go to festivals, go to markets hit up the people I know and cross my fingers and hope for the best.
0: I always think that festivals are a great place to prove a concept. So mm, whether no. you have a script or whether you have a short film, they're amazing places to take and network your work. But also if you win awards or you do, or you are, you are able to say something like, you know, I've submitted the script. It's been accepted into 20 film festivals. That is validation to people that are looking to put money into your your projects so to all screenwriters and filmmakers out there do not ever discredit the film festival scene because it is an important it's an important um ground for you it's a it's an important playground for you to be a part of which is why this Independent Film Festival in Cincinnati, Ohio, <laughs> August twenty-third through twenty-fifth, two thousand eighteen, is very important. Congratulations <laughs> on that, by the way, guys. That's Thank awesome. you. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be wonderful.
1: You know, speaking of networking too, uh one I don't know if if you thought the same thing when you were reading through this that I did, but thinking back to one of our earlier script shop shows, the first one in fact, our pilot episode with your friend Leah. Leah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh I there was she submitted to us uh something that's not dissimilar from this in that there's this wild world of like weird something has happened to earth and she's sort of throwing this like early concept pitch out there and i mean i don't know i think you guys should collaborate
0: yeah and you guys could definitely just talk about ideas at the very very Uh, least her her world is a bit different than yours it feels dustier and yours feels very forward and a Dewey is the word I keep coming up with, but there are, let's do it. Absolutely. I'm always open.
2: I'm always open. I, I love talking to other filmmakers, other writers, producers, editors, you name it. So I'm totally in.
0: Um, you know, I wanted to ask too, there are a lot of Greek references throughout the script and you of course are Greek. You're, you're Zeus for God's sake. (laughs) <laughs> hey, oh, oh, oh. that's a lowercase I uh, i didn't even try to do that that was so funny <laughs> was, though good job um d- do you want to talk a little bit about how your culture and the these greek histories influence some of your work sure
2: uh i i'm
0: uh, growing up
2: in greece i mean of course you're surrounded by all of it right you're surrounded by all the culture there yeah Um, And all that history there. And I fell in love at a very early age. I fell in love with beyond me reading all, you know, comic books and, you know, the 80s action films and all that stuff. I was always mesmerized by the world of the Greek gods and the world of Greek mythology. And then also expanding from that wasn't just that it was Norse mythology, you know, Irish mythology, um, you know, Chinese history as well was a big influence for me when I was a kid and I was learning all these things. Um, and so, and because they were so, uh, the Odyssey is one of my favorite books. Um, and I remember reading, I think I've read it a whole bunch of times and every single time it mesmerized me to no end because it was such a fantastical world. Yeah. Um, I was like, wow, this is people, you can actually write stuff like this. This is really neat. Um, and so I just, I use that, I use that history, mythology, you know, all the mythology, I always dig it up and i like, okay, well, how can I use this in this story or a little bit of th- that in this story, a little bit of that in the next story. And I do it with, mostly with my science fiction. I don't, I, it doesn't really filter into my drama scripts uh, or horror or anything like that. I use it mostly for science fiction. Um, so I, I always go back to that field. I always mind the the Greek mythology field, the Norse mythology field, um, because it's just so cool. It is just so awesome. You know, the stories that they came up with, um, and you know, you can always take them and adapt them into whatever you want.
1: Yeah, agree. Well, and, you know, you talked about comic books and stuff, too. I don't know if this is too deep of a cut, but when when Grant Morrison started doing that JLA book and really relaunched the Justice League as a comic, I think right. in like the late 90s, he based the big seven on the the Greek pantheon.
2: Right, exactly. You know, and so, I mean, there's um, again, like, there's just so much you can the, even today. I'm learning about some Greek mythology that I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that was that was one of the things they came up with. Oh, that's cool. Uh, which is really cool. I'm like, Oh, I could use that for something. That's neat. <laughs> Um, you know, and t- just simple little things like, you know, bringing fire to the human beings from ab- above, you know, you take that little simple concept and you can make magic out of that. Um, yeah. Conceptually
1: so, and literally. Yeah.
2: Right. Exactly. You know, so it's, Um, I I love it. I absolutely love it. I think, you know, they were, they really helped us out as far as that stuff goes.
0: Um, This family too, you know, in terms of you doing your research, we have Celine working on hieroglyphics in her bedroom, learning how to read those. They show up later on the wall. We have Anna with kind of this like, mom, the inky men are coming Mm senses about them. And I wondered, does this particular family have some kind of like, in tune connection with the world around them or is it just kind of them being on their game about what's happening um
2: i would um, the girls the girls more so uh it's it depends on who you whose whose perspective you see it from the girls have one perspective the 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 the, the um adults have a different one the adults are thinking more about you know surviving and you know and you know how are we gonna get through all this the girls are trying to discover a deeper meaning because the, the girls at least Anna this is the only world she knows this is where she grew up she okay. doesn't know earth uh, as it was Celine uh, was a was around for the invasion um, but she she is mesmerized in finding out, who they are and what their history is and where they come from and all these things. And so she becomes obsessed with these hieroglyphics, um, because she wants to know she's a, she's a book nerd in that sense. Um, and she's just trying to figure out if there's a deeper meaning to all of this, which there is uh, ultimately, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, uh, and Oh, uh, just also, so you, in an earlier version of the script, uh, and I still have it, I created a brand new language. Ooh, um, I was wondering
1: how involved you got with this language and the hieroglyphics yeah. and all that.
2: Oh, I I sat at my desk. I think I spent, um, rightly or wrongly, uh, I spent a, two weeks at my desk just drawing, uh, t- again, picking, looking at Egyptian hieroglyphics, looking at you know ancient Greek writing, Aramaic. I was cuneiform. At everything. I, lo- I just studied everything. And I was like, what is that? This that-? Even Chinese writing, Japanese writing. I was like, okay, cool. And I just started drawing random symbols. Like, well, that could work. Did that not work? And it started to become a bit much. So then what I started to do after that was, um, writing a language for Syrah. Uh, and, and it was painstaking because you have to keep going back and saying, so like the, is this, and then at is this, and she is this word. So I got to put this here and yeah. that there. So creating an entire new alphabet, basically That's from awesome, scratch, is is so. But I did it. Uh, I still have it. Um, it needs work, obviously. I mean, it's not you know, uh, it's not a completed thing. But I I did create a brand new language for you her. You know, so I'm really I would, excited, to hoping to use it.
0: I would love to see a picture of your your notes. Oh almost. yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know oh. if you feel comfortable just like taking a screenshot or a picture of those, but it would be so awesome to see those as part of just your creative process. Yeah, are you sure.
2: I could, I, I do everything, something like that. I always write down on, on paper. Uh, or, you know, like I guess it, most writers have a notebook or something like that. So I've got notebooks just full of crap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, and I would, it would just be me having fun and thinking, you know, and, yeah. and, and all these things. So, uh, so I can certainly take pictures and send them to you guys. That would I got great. Them up the, they're hiding somewhere.
0: So. <laughs> well, if you find them, send them our way because we'll share them with all of our listeners on our website be, or in also our social media, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. If somebody wants
1: to contact you, is it like a is it a sort of a sacrifice on the altar sort of situation?
0: Oh my god! Wait for a thunderstorm to roll in. What, what's exactly I require,
2: the? I require ten calves, twelve goats, and twenty
1: chickens. Okay, uh, Frank, go to just the store. Put,
0: Frank, put that in the show notes just in case someone. Uh... Ten calves,
1: <laughs> goats, and chickens. Okay. Oh,
0: that's amazing! But uh, how else can they get a hold of you practically?
2: Uh, let's see. There's a whole bunch of ways you can find me. Um, you can, uh, my website is www.zeuspic.com. Z-E-U-S-P-I-C.com. Uh, and there you can also check out all the other stuff that I'm, that we're working on, uh, on Facebook uh, I'm about to give out my real name here, guys. Watch out. Oh. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> on, my, on Facebook, you can find me under John Zeus Cantoyanis. And by the way, anybody out there who can say my last name fast five times gets a prize from me.
1: Ooh. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we haven't done a giveaway uh, so, on the show in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. uh, so
2: on Facebook, it's uh, John Zeus Cantoyanis. And also you can go to Zeus, uh, Zeus Pictures as well. That's the company Facebook page. Uh, Instagram... Uh, I forgot my, my personal Instagram because I hardly use it anymore, but I use my business one, which is Zeus Pictures, and the number one uh, on Twitter, it's Zeus Pictures. You're also a podcast guy, right? Am indeed. We'll get to that too. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> uh, do you guys, can I, should I give my email out as well? Or, it's uh... whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. If you guys want to email me, it's very simple. Zeus at ZeusPick.com. Very simple. Uh, Zeus at ZeusPick.com. And yes, you're right. We have a podcast. I have a podcast uh, with my partner. His name is Christopher Piccioni, Uh And it's called Under the Noise. And we uh, cover basically Hollywood news, um, movies, television, theater, box office, festivals, awards, uh, trailers, all that stuff um we're changing our format right now because we're just trying to change things up make it a little bit more exciting so it's going to be a bi-monthly thing and then we're going to pepper a few other things here and there uh uh, over the month um so we'll be back on the air on february 5th and that's under the noise podcast guys check it out because it's a lot of fun awesome
0: very very cool you're a
2: busy dude Oh yeah! Oh man, I've got I I've, I've, well, I've got two movies coming out. Should I? Can I share this info? Please, too, or, we okay? love it.
1: Plug it, dude! All right, rock and roll. Uh,
2: Syra, just so you guys know, so everybody's Syra is officially shooting in September.
0: Nice, cool.
2: Uh, I got the money for it now. Whether it's enough, we'll wait and see. So, where where
0: uh, are you uh, shooting it?
2: Yeah, um, I I'm debating between New York State and and Canada because I know some friends up in Canada. Um, who are visual effects guys and I need to have them on set, you know, to help me out with some of the visuals. Right. right. Um, and one of them lives out in a wooded foresty area. So I'm like, oh, that would be perfect. Um, and it would also be free if, if, if I could manage that. (laughs) So, uh, uh, so I'm, it's either New York or Canada. Uh, that's shooting in September. Um, I've got two movies coming out in March. One is called Juniper. It's a science fiction drama. The other one is called X-E-X-T. Uh, it is a five-minute, 100% uh, CGI film. It's the first animated film I've ever done, and I'm super excited about wow, it. That's a, that's a uh, whole
1: other world of work.
2: Yes, and that, I've been working on that with the boys in Canada for about two years now. And it's the same idea. He came to me with the script. I love the script, um, but it was such a giant world, and it required an enormous amount of money so I told him, go make a little short film. Let's do this together. Make a little short film and see what happens. So our And I've seen the fruits of his labor, and it looks awesome. I'm so excited. That's coming out in March. And then two months later, I'm shooting another short film. It's called Mr. Sam. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a very busy guy. I got a lot of stuff going on. Sounds uh, like a
0: lot of opportunity for somebody to collaborate with you, though.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I am open And I'm looking for crew too. I'm looking for crew. I'm looking to meet people. I'm always open to meeting people anywhere, everywhere. Um, I love this business. I love making movies. I love Hollywood. So, uh, yeah, let's collaborate. Let's make some movies.
0: So, listeners, if you're interested in checking out any of Zeus's work, if you want to get in touch with him to see what he's doing or to see how you can be a part of that, just uh, hit the rewind 15 seconds, 15 seconds buttons on Mm -hmm. your podcast, write down all that info and get in touch with them. <laughs> yeah, do it. That's what you should do. Cuz there's a lot of really great stuff in there. And um Zeus, it was awesome having you on the show today and talking about this really really exciting script. We can't wait to see it. So when it yeah. gets made, um submit it to my film festival and then also mm-hmm. um <laughs> keep us posted and keep us updated with where you're going and what you're doing with all of this cuz we'd love to share it with all of our listeners
2: absolutely thank you so much guys for your time thank you for you know for the for bringing me on the show i had a great time this was awesome and thank you for reading reading absolutely it's nice to hear them out loud too it's not that often i get to hear my words spoken out loud and uh it was really cool so thank
1: you guys for doing that i had a great time no problem thank Thank you you. for your work
0: yeah have a nice night
1: all right well there we go there was zeus yeah we just had a quasi-religious moment here on the show. That
0: was amazing. <laughs> There's, I'm really proud of us for getting all those jokes in. I
1: think we did a real. I think it, it, it was enough without being too much. If I, if we're not patting ourselves on the back too strongly.
0: Well, I mean, I. I'm going to get in my car and drive home at the end of the night and just keep being like, Allison, you were so smart and witty tonight. Good job. Good job, Allison. You're so clever. Good job. <laughs> oh, it's going to be tough to drive with when
1: you got your vanity mirror down and you're talking to yourself as you're trying to stay between the lines. Oh, hey, you. What's uh, oh, up? Oh, you're
0: so pretty and smart and wonderful. Good job. I think that's great. I think, I think you
1: did an excellent job.
0: Oh, thank you, Jack. Uh, uh, same to
1: you. If you want us to talk about how clever we are when we read your stuff and talk to you... The best opportunity that you have to do that is scriptshopshow.com slash submit.
0: We would love to read your work. It is such a pleasure reading the words of all the writers um, that we have on the show and all the work that we come across. So please, please, please consider us if you're looking to talk about your work, if you want to share it with the world. We'd love to do that too.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, follow us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Script Shop Show. Jack's on Twitter at Script Shop Jack. Script Shop Jack. And I'm on Twitter as Your Bestie Westie. And until next week. We're great. Yeah. All right. Thank you, folks. That's a wrap.
1: Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening.